Very good morning, Amokyo family. Welcome to 2021. We trust the Lord will guide us through this whole new year. We want to especially welcome at this juncture, Reverend Ngami He as our fourth pastor to Amokyo Methodist Church. You see her picture on the screen. She has been in pastoral ministry for over 30 years and we look forward to her ministry in our midst. On our part, I hope we will warmly welcome her to the Amokyo family. In the new year as well, we will be embarking on a new sermon series based on the book of 1 Corinthians. Come, please join me in prayer as we begin. Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, anoint, inspire the words that I'm about to preach. Use it for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little boy named Danny lived with his family in the trailer. One day, someone asked him, Don't you wish you had a real home? Danny's reply was wise beyond his years. He said, We have a real home. We just don't have a house to put it in. You see, a house and a home are very different. A house is a physical structure, perhaps made of brick or wood or stone. It can be large or small. What's important is whether there's love inside. If a house does not have love, the house is not really a home. By contrast, a home is a haven of safety, shelter, acceptance, unconditional love. In a home, each person's value is unlimited and a mutual commitment to each other forever. You see, any decent contractor can build a house, but only God can empower us to build a loving home. Last year when we studied the book of Romans, I said that many people think that Paul wrote the book of Romans as a theological treatise, but I have taught that Paul wrote primarily with a real context in mind, and the problematic situation on the ground was the racial discrimination between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now this is not to downplay Paul's well-articulated version of the gospel, but Paul mainly used the gospel as a way to demonstrate that there must be no racial division in Christ Jesus. And so last year we learned that all of us who call ourselves Christians must be so-called colorblind, red or yellow, black or white. You know, we are not supposed to see these colors. We are all precious in His sight. And so we must welcome everyone, be inclusive as the family of God, as a spiritual family here at Amokyo Methodist Church. Now just as the letter of Romans can be is understood to be thought of as a theological treatise, the letter of 1 Corinthians, because it clearly addresses several issues that the early church faced, we might be inclined to think of it as a situational letter without any overarching theme. Now that cannot be further from the truth. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's overarching concern is how a family of believers should and must relate to one another. And so the key word here in the book of 1 Corinthians is family. Family. While we had a good year interpreting and living out home with a heart theme in 2020, I believe there are many more lessons that God wants to teach us in 2021. And so we continue as a church team this year, home with a heart. But this time, we will explore it through the angle of First Corinthians. Last year's Bible verse was Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
to help us remember the main verse, the main trust for this year, I've chosen the same numerals, chapter 13, verse 8. And hopefully that will help us in our memory. And the first three words of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 8, are these. Love never fails. Love never fails. I'm sure that's easy to remember. And so to be a home with a heart, to truly be as a family of God, let us learn to embrace this powerful spiritual truth. Love never fails. Well, First Corinthians does give us a very clear insight into the kind of questions that the early Christians addressed to Paul. We mustn't lose sight of this overarching message of love within God's family. Now, for your information, just a very quick uh, note here for those of you who would like to take notes. The seven questions the Corinthians asked were marriage, food sacrifice to idols, church services, the Lord's Supper, spiritual gifts, the resurrection of the dead, and collection for God's people. But we mustn't forget the first six chapters where Apostle Paul and Sostinus wrote about divisions, sexual immorality, and lawsuits. Romans was written to deal with the external manifestation of spiritual pride. There was racial discrimination between Jews and Gentiles. 1 Corinthians was written to deal with the internal manifestation of spiritual pride. This time not between Jews and Gentiles, but within the spiritual family, within the community of faith, between so-called the haves and the have-nots, the wise and the wiser, who is the better preacher, the gifted, who is more superior in the spiritual gifts, so and so forth. And so this spiritual pride rears its ugly head in several forms. There's division, there are lawsuits, and comparison of spiritual gifts, and the list goes on. But the core of the problem is still pride. Romans was written to address the question, who is included in the family of God? And Paul's answer through the gospel is, everyone who confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior is to be included in the family of God. 1 Corinthians, on the other hand, deals with what happens within the family of God. Now think about it. Aren't these the two kind of aspects you know, that many of us in our own families wrestle with and have to address from time to time? Growing up with my siblings, I have one elder and one younger brother, the constant battle within my family was about who's smarter, who's got a better grade, who's more obedient, who's more handsome, so and so forth. There's always this competition, right? And then we also have to deal with the issue of who's so-called included in the family, who's excluded. Growing up, I recall there was a season where my grandmother invited my Asim to you know, stay with us for a few months. She was my grandmother's godson's grandmother. A bit complex, huh? My grandmother's godson's grandmother. And so I recall my brothers and I were pretty upset that my grandmother invited her to stay with us for a few months. Now, one of the things she did which really grossed us out was how she would lick her chopsticks before she would put it into the common dish. And that really grossed us out as a family. We really wanted to exclude her. But my grandmother said, no, she's part of the family. I guess that's typical for us, you know, many of us in our own families, we wrestle with who's in and who's out. We happily welcome some, but we quietly want to exclude others. And second, we have certain behavioral expectations about what it means to live within the family. And so too, the book of Romans and Corinthians deal with these two topics, who's included in the family and what should be expected within the family of God. For better or for worse, generally, we willingly 
endure all kinds of hardships and misgivings because of this one word, simple word, family. And here at Amokyo, for example, I know of a husband who donated his kidney to his wife. I know of many sons and daughters who sacrificially care for their aged and demented parents. I know of many parents who are fully committed to raising their children with special needs. I know of siblings who stand together with, for another sibling in need of great care. You know, there's just so many heart-wrenching stories about families that as a pastor I've been given privilege access to. And here's the reality I've come to realize. That we are willing to do almost anything and everything for family. Just because they are family. A family was in a serious traffic accident. The youngest son, Mike, was seriously injured and needed blood. His big brother, Danny, was only 8 years old, but he had the same blood type. Danny's dad explained carefully how important it was for Mike to have blood and how great it would be if Danny could help out. There was silence for a while. And then Danny said, Yes, Daddy, I'll do it. I'll give my blood so that Mike can live. They put the needle in his vein and drew the blood they needed. Once the needle was back out, Danny looked up at his dad and with tears running down his eyes, he asked, Daddy, when do I die? It was only then that his dad realized that Danny didn't know he was just giving some of his blood. He didn't have to die. But Danny thought he was giving his life. Even though he was young, this little boy Danny intuitively understood that family cost everything. Family cost everything, even his own life. Likewise, many of us are willing to do anything and everything for family. Now bring that concept over to Christianity, where now we are the spiritual family. First of all, through the gospel, Paul redefines who's included in the family of God. It is no longer about race or circumcision or any external measure. As long as someone confesses Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are part of this spiritual family. We are to be inclusive rather than exclusive in our approach. If you look at today's scripture text, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, look at verse 9 in particular. It says, God our Father has called us into fellowship with His Son. Indeed, now we have so-called a new bloodline. Through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are all included in the family of God. We will revisit this theme later on in the book of 1 Corinthians, what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Second, again through the gospel, Paul instructs us how we ought to live. We are to live humble, holy, and loving lives. Look at verse 2. Paul writes, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. You see, all Christians are together in this family of God, wherever we may be scattered. But importantly, he says, we are to be sanctified to be His holy people. Now, for context here, Paul sent this letter to believers in Corinth, which was a Greek seaport and center of international commerce. The apostle's description of these Christians revealed his deep concern for them. First of all, he called them the Church of God. The readers are not mere individuals. They constituted a church community that belonged to God. In other words, they are now family. Second, in this short verse, the believers in this church had been sanctified. Sanctified means set apart from the world by virtue of their faith in Christ Jesus. Corinth, according to biblical scholar 
Gordon Fee was said to be at once the Las Vegas, New York and Los Angeles of the ancient world. It is in the context of this decadent city that the Christians were called to pursue holy and loving lives, to be set apart in the way they live. They are to be sent, they are sanctified in Christ, but now they had to live it out. Third, they were called to holiness together with all believers everywhere. Holiness was not to be pursued simply by individuals, but by the entire church. So again, this harkens back to why we continue to share our lives deeply through the class meeting, which John Wesley has instituted for us. As he has said, there can be no holiness except social holiness. In other words, we cannot grow in holiness without our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, just as a family needs each other to see them through tough and challenging times, you know, we have very little hope of persevering as Christians or growing in holiness unless we spur one another on. We really do need each other. That is the theme of 1 Corinthians. The family of God needs each other to grow. The good news, as Paul recognizes, is that Paul it's that God has also imparted spiritual gifts and graces to us as the body of Christ. Look at verses 3 to 7. Paul writes, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. We will explore this topic of spiritual gifts in the months uh, to come. For now, we just need to remember that we are gifted by the grace of God to serve and help each other as a family. More than that, we will also do well to remember verse 8, where Paul writes, God will also keep you firm to the end, so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wrote last year, and you know Jesus is returning, we need to stand firm. And the good news here is that we are not the only players in this game. God himself will hold us firm. It is not just us purely striving with our own individual effort. We also have the community of faith. And most importantly, we have God himself on our side. Think of this three-way dynamic in this way. On Boxing Day, Val and I brought Joash uh, to Chestnut Nature Park for a hike. hike. It wasn't meant to be too long, two to three kilometers, so that you know the boy can finish it. 600 meters in, it started raining. As the head of the household, it is my duty and responsibility to bring the whole family safely out. Just as it has got the father's responsibility to see that we finish well. But if it's just me alone, it may not be reassuring enough, you know, assuring enough for the little boy. Thankfully, my wife was there too as a wonderful companion. And so Val represents the community of faith, that nurturing community of faith, you know, that often surrounds a believer to comfort and to encourage them. But besides the two of us, the little boy Joash himself also had to take responsibility and plot on. He had to walk on his own. Yes, there was a point in time, you know, where Val and I had to swing him over a, a big puddle. But for most of the time, 99% of the time, he had to hike on. So in the same way, in our call towards holiness, as much as God the Father is holding us, as much as the community of faith supports us, we must take on our personal responsibility as a child of God. If a family is to thrive, every single member of that family must play their part well. 
And if we are to thrive here as a spiritual family at Amokyo Church, everyone has a part to play. I'm thankful here at Amokyo, I've seen many glimpses of what that holy, loving family looks like. Many a times in the case of a hospitalization, you know, like a major op, I have seen cell members taking turns to deliver food, accompany you know, the person in the hospital, that brother or sister in Christ, each one being there for several hours each time. It's as if everyone just drops their schedule and is there for their brother or sister in Christ. Or when a bereavement occurs, I've seen cell members rally themselves around their brother or sister in Christ. They help call the undertaker, they liaise with the church, they take turns to accompany the bereaved family, so and so forth. I've seen it happen so many times. But today, I just want to read to us a letter sent in by a dear sister, Po Gyeok, just uh, as a note of thanksgiving to her cell group. Let me read it to us. Faith cell members consist of our leader, Nancy, and then she goes on to list everyone in the cell group. Although my husband was not a converted Christian, he was friendly and felt, the comfort- and felt comfortable with all the cell group members. He often cooked his favorite Cantonese congee for our cell meetings. As a family, we enjoyed these meetings together. My husband became critically ill recently and passed on 2nd November 2020. I was touched by the cell group support over the years. They helped me in various ways such as bringing over meals and groceries. I thank God for having such good friends who not only enrich my spiritual growth, but also in times of need. And then she also signs off with her name there. I have seen how cell groups rally around people. There are many other times in which cell leaders, members, see one another through life, especially in times of difficulties, whether it's retrenchment, uh, critical illness, many other crises in life, how the cell group simply journeys together with their brother or sister in Christ, such as this video testimony would show. Hi, my name is Kenny. And I'm sure. In 2017, my wife and I signed up BMC course with the purpose of growing our faith. When we graduated from BMC, we were invited to join our current cell group, Shalom Tree. We believe being in a cell group would help us build a strong foundation for our faith and also allowing us to set a good role model for our young children, where we learn to put Christ at the center of our lives. I remembered one of the testimony shared by one of our cell group member where through the power of prayers, a child was healed completely from a certain condition. As a parent of two young children, where one requires special needs, it gives us lots of hope and strength in what God has planned for us. Yes, indeed. Um, and also, the cell group is a connector between myself and God because as a new Christian, I my Bible knowledge is kind of um, lacking. So um, each meeting, I learn something new. I learn from their testimonies. I learn from their, story, their daily stories. Um, that has... Um, encouraged me and showed me the way uh, what can be done and um, when I'm faced with difficulties they were always there um, for, for prayers and always give me Bible verses uh, for me to tie through my difficult times 
and um, I'm very thankful for that. On these notes, we strongly encourage one to join yourself if you haven't. Take a leap of faith and be a step closer to God. So do join a cell group. Contact us if you would like to join a cell group. We'll be more than happy to just connect you with a cell group and so you'll be connected with us here in the Amokyo family. Now, does it mean that every cell group and every family here in Amokyo Church is perfect? Of course not. Far from it. Just as every family has their own difficulties and challenges, so we too have our own fair share of challenges as a church and certainly within cell groups. But I always remember what a preacher said years ago. If you are looking for the perfect church, the moment you join the church, it's no longer perfect. So we are not looking for the perfect church. There's still a lot of room to grow. Uh, each of us, we do our part, humbly journeying alongside each other. The truth is there is no perfect church, no perfect family. But it doesn't mean we simply you know, throw up our hands in the air and just give up completely. See it this way. Suppose you ate a lousy plate of chicken rice. Does it mean you will give up eating chicken rice for the rest of your life? The answer is no, right? Because we know there have been good chicken rice around. In the same way, we may not all have pleasant encounters with Christians. But it doesn't mean that all Christians are hypocrites. Every cell group is bad and therefore we should stop attending church and isolate ourselves. No. Just because there are bad experiences doesn't mean that we should isolate ourselves completely. There are good functioning cell groups. Not perfect, but good and functioning and growing. And let's be a part of that. If there be any major lesson that we can learn from 1 Corinthians, it is this. No matter how horrible it is, a family sticks together simply because we are family. The Corinthian Christians, as we shall see over the next few months, are snobbish, elitist. They abuse their freedom in Christ. They are really quite a horrible bunch. But did Paul give up on them? No. Instead, Paul calls them and also calls us likewise to strive once again to be a holy and loving family of God. On the last on-site service of 2020, on the 27th of December at our 5pm service, we had our infant and child baptism service. And at that service, the congregation responded that we will not only support the families and these children who are baptized, but we too have renewed our vows that we will continue to support Amokyo Church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts and our service. And as we begin 2021, I ask that you will keep these four areas in your mind as well. First of all, pray. Keep the church in prayer. I ask that you constantly keep our Mokyo family in your prayers. You may want to do it through our monthly prayer mail. You may want to join our prayer meetings. For now, it's online still. But eventually, we hope we can gather on site again. You can join together in the cell groups to pray or in your personal intercession times. But do keep us in prayer. Number two, as we slowly ramp up our worship services, I hope you will encourage us with your presence. For those in cell groups, I'm sure you already know how important your presence is to the cell group, so keep that up. But more than your presence, all of us, our heartfelt sharing in our cell groups is so instrumental in helping us to grow as a holy and loving family. So presence, keep that up as well. 
both in the physical church on-site service as well as our cell group and also the sharing of our lives. Number three, as we also ramp up our online, our on-site worship services, we will need as many of you to return as possible to serve as ushers, accounting stewards, musicians, and the list goes on. And those of you who are skilled digitally, we need your skills too. As the church office, we'll have to juggle both online and on-site commitments. So contact your cell leaders or church office directly if you'd like to volunteer in one way or another. Finally, your gifts. Paul will address this topic in 1 Corinthians 16 and we'll get there in our pulpit series probably in June. Now looking back in 2020 from the Treasurer's Report, I'm thankful that most of you have continued giving despite COVID-19 and I thank God for that. Thank you for putting your trust in the leadership of this church to be good stewards and God sees your faithfulness. And we will continue to want to use those finances wisely to expand God's kingdom in 2021. So I close now with the words of A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite Christian authors. This is what he writes. The elements of a true church are few and easy to possess. They are a company of believers, the Lord, the Spirit, and the Word of the living God. Let the Lord be worshipped, the presence of God. Let the Spirit be obeyed. The word be expounded and followed as the only rule for faith and conduct and the power of God will begin to show itself as it did to Samson in the camp of Dan. The church will produce a spiritual culture all its own, wholly unlike anything created by the mind of man and superior to any culture known on earth, ancient or modern. God is getting his people ready for another world and he uses the local church as a workshop in which to carry on his blessed work. That Christian is a happy one who has found a company of true believers in whose heavenly fellowship he can live and love and labor. And anything else, and nothing else on earth should be as dear to him nor command from him such a degree of loyalty and devotion. So Toza totally understands what it means to be the family of God. Who is included in the family and what the family of God really ought to do. Come, let us pray. Lord, forgive us if we have made the church just another social club or just another religion. Lord, forgive us if we have sampled ministries without really submerging ourselves in the whole. Lord, forgive us if we have judged the local church on the basis of what it contributes to us rather than becoming fully a part of it. Lord, renew all our minds to see Amokil Church as our spiritual family and let me be faithful through my prayers, my presence, my gifts and my service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.